We continue in our, in our walk through Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, uh, Irresistible Church. We call it that because we're looking at how, what Paul describes in one of the very first letters that he ever wrote as he ministered into this Thessalonica, a, a port city, a, a very influential city, for a very short time, but somehow the gospel so gripped their hearts that the scriptures say that they became a model church and the gospel and the message of Jesus rang out from them throughout the region, everywhere. And we, we, we're saying, Lord, we want that to be us. And so we're kind of going through this text with that in mind, but we're also trying to learn some things that Paul writes to them and engages them about. So I continue this morning from chapter 2, verse 13, and I've got a text for you. I've got a slide there for you if the guys can put it up. And so we're going to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 through to 16. And uh, I want to talk to you about how the Word of God works in us and how important it is to have the Word of God working in us. And I want to end with a very practical way that we can begin to work with the Word of God. So let's read this text as you kind of get an idea of where I'm going. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, that word received is an important one, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God. Which is indeed at work in you who believe. Let me read that again. We also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. How do you know that it's at work in them? How does Paul know that it's at work in them? Let's read the next verse. For you, this is how he knows it's at work with them, in, in them, which is hugely beneficial, this verse to us. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. Here we go. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews, who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to everyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. How do we know the work of God was in them? A little bit earlier on, it says you welcomed the message and you received this great message with joy by the Holy Spirit, although you did it with much suffering. So he's saying, actually, I know this work of God is, this word of God is working in you because in the midst of persecution, in the midst of suffering, you had great joy. One of the great marks of the gospel working in us, of the word of God working in us, friends, is that somehow God elevates us above and beyond what we're going through in this life and fills our hearts with joy. It's one of the great marks of the Word of God working, working in us. 
But what I want to do is I want to go back to that verse 13. Because it says there, you received the word of God, which you heard from us. That's the first thing I want to say. You received the word of God. So that word received there is different to the word which is a little bit further down. It says you accepted it as the word of God. Not, we accepted it not as a human word, but as the word of God. So you kind of think, well, received and accepted. Well, I do. I think, well, received and accepted, those are kind of similar words. But in the Greek, they're slightly different words. In fact, that word received there, well, before we get to that word, isn't it interesting to hear or to see God speaks through human agency? You heard it, the, the word of God came to you through us, he says. So when we were speaking, it was actually God speaking through us. Sometimes we forget that. Because what we do is we see the humanity of people and we forget that God uses people to speak his word to us. And we can miss the word of God by discounting the person of God or the people of God. You see, God uses human mouths and human lips to speak his infallible and authoritative word to us. And that is why it's so important from the, when we're preaching from the scriptures that we do speak the word of God. Not just some idea. You, you want to as much as possible make sure that you are basing what you are saying in the word of God. The scriptures. Next week I'm hoping to do a, a talk on how did we get these scriptures. Because what happens is we watch movies like the Da Vinci Code and we have the Gospel of Thomas and the Gospel, and there's a big conspiracy theory as to how the Bible came into being. Let me tell you what, friends, for the church to agree to put these 66 books together is a miracle on its own. For anybody, put 10 people in the room together and get them to agree, that's a miracle. And when you see over the centuries when whole sways of the church come together and they agree on these books, you've got to know that's a miracle of God. But I want, to, I, want to, I, want to, I want to show you how these scriptures came into being and what kind of word these scriptures are. A little bit of a teachy kind of one, more than a preachy one. Very important for us to know that what you have in your hand, which for centuries people never had, the printing press was the key to us having this in our hand. And then education was another key to us being able to read what we have in our hand, which was mostly started by the church so that you could read the scriptures. Now education is kicking the scriptures out of schools. You see, this word of God is preached through human agency and comes through human agency. But what it, it, that word they receive, it's this word lambano. It's also used when, the, when Jesus, it says in John chapter 20, Jesus breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. It's the same word. It says, and in the beginning of, of, of Thessalonians, it says, and they welcomed the gospel. It's the same word. They received it. 
It means, in, in one of my dictionaries, it means to join to oneself. It means to join yourself to it. It means to, to, to take it in. You see, how we receive is incredibly important. How we receive the Spirit of God, how do we receive the Word of God is incredibly important. Please never, ever separate the Word of God and the Spirit of God. It's the same person. It's the same God. Word of God. The Word of God is, 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 is God-breathed. It's Spirit-inspired. When you preach the Word of God, the Spirit of God gets so excited. It comes on you. It's a beautiful thing when the Word of God and the Spirit of God are working together. They're not meant to be we are Word of God church or we are Spirit of God church. We, we, we never separate those two things. What God has put together, man must not separate. Husband and wife and Word and Spirit. You see, how we receive is incredibly important. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells a story, a, a parable. And he tells a story about how the message of God is sown by a farmer, like seed. And he says some of it falls on the path, and some of it falls on rocky ground. It's very shallow soil. Some of it falls on the path, and the birds come and pick it up because the seed doesn't get in. And some of it falls on rocky soil, and because it's shallow soil, what happens is it kind of takes root quickly, but then the sun comes out, and then it burns away. It's got no, it's got no roots, so the plant dies. And then some of it falls among um, weeds. And over time, what happens is the weeds choke it out and it dies. But some of it falls on good soil and it produces fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. And then he goes on in, in, in Matthew 13 to describe what that means. And he says that what it means is actually your hardness of your heart stops you from receiving the word. And then before it can take any action, the enemy comes and robs it from you. He says, and some of you are so shallow, you've got so many rocks and so, such, you've got bits of hardness all over you. And actually what happens is the seed gets in, but it, but it doesn't get in properly. It doesn't get right in. And it, it's very shallow. And when, the, when life comes and, and the heat comes, it, it just can't, it can't sustain itself. So it does. And some of it's, it's amongst the weeds. And he says, the riches and the pleasures and the worry of life, worries of life, come and choke you out and the message of the kingdom doesn't bear fruit in your life. You see, how we receive is very important. And he says, some of you whose soil is ready to receive produce a fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. Friends, I'm trusting God that we all can be 30, 60, 100 fold people. But it's so dependent on the condition of our heart. I'm going to get there now. Then he says, you accepted it as the word of God, not as a human word. Accepted. Now that's a slightly different word. This word is the same word when Simeon was waiting at the temple when Jesus was born and his mom and dad came to bring Jesus to the temple. And Simeon was this prophetic man that had, had poured his life and was devoted to the scriptures and he was anticipating the Messiah to come. And when he saw, and, and it says the Spirit of, uh, Holy Spirit told him to go to the temple on that day. And when he saw Jesus and his parents coming in, his heart leapt. 
And it says, he took that child. Same word. Accepted. You see, he took the child. And it says, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. He took him and he said, Lord, all your promises that I've read, all the word that I've seen, I now have in my hands. I now have in my experience. I know. Now you can take me home, Lord, in peace. You see, friends, when the word of God is preached, and can I say, it can be preached from a 10-year-old, whether it's preached in your home group, when the word of God is preached, not clever ideas, when the word of God is preached, you receive it from a human being, but you take it from God. You see that? It's both. So we receive it from human beings. You received the gospel. You welcomed it. But then you realize you actually take it from God. He took it from God. He takes it from God. And what happens, it's one thing to receive it from a human being, but are we taking this from God? So important. Otherwise, we sit here Sunday after Sunday, and we only listen when certain people talk. We sit here Sunday after Sunday, and we receive the word, but the gap between receiving and taking, there's a gap there. But it's only when you receive it as the word of God, when you appropriate that thing by faith, that it actually begins to bear fruit and get root into our hearts. And you see, that's what the anointing does when you're preaching. That's what the anointing does. It enables people to take this human word and make it God's word. Somehow, you, 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 after you're preaching, people say, you're talking exactly to me. You feel like that was to me. That, that's, the, that's the power of God. That's the anointing of God taking that human word. And you weren't even meaning that, but somehow you're receiving it. God's doing something in people's hearts. It's like the, the gap between receiving it from a human being and taking it from God gets bridged, and somehow that word becomes a God word for somebody. The anointing does that. And, and, and Paul says this earlier on in Thessalonians. He says, our gospel didn't just come to you with words. It came with power and the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. See, God was there. The conditions were right. God was there. The soil was right. God was there. Paul's heart was right. God was there. And God ministered to the people. See, it's not only dependent on humans. It's dependent on God. And he can't, you see, the condition, that's why I said the condition of your heart is so important. See, the anointing can break into hard hearts, can smash hard hearts, can get through the cracks in hard hearts. On Wednesday, I did, I did that memorial service that I told you about. I think I told you on Sunday. And I spoke about forgiveness very strongly. About how you can't be a, a Christian and not forgive. 
can't do that. Otherwise, you're coming against Jesus. Anyway, we go after the, after the thing. We go to my brother's house. There's a bit of a wake with some of the closer friends. Wake. You know what I mean by that, eh? Wake, a lot of whiskey. Same thing. And eventually, all my mates from school are there, and they're all there. And then two, three hours into the evening, Stan, I love you, man. <laughs> love you. Love you. I can't believe you effing told me to forgive that ex-wife of mine. He didn't say ex-wife. He used the B word. And I thought, Lord, you're breaking into hard hearts here. See, the word of God breaks in. That's what the anointing does. But it's not just that. We can, we can also stop the word of God breaking in by hardness of heart. Path, rocky, weeds. And it not bear the fruit that it's meant to be bear. You can be distracted on your phone in the middle of the preach. And be distracted and the word of God doesn't get in. Or whatever it is, disappointment, worry, fear, all these things, they, they come in and they, it affects us and we can't receive. We can receive it as a human word, but we don't take it as the God of word. And obviously the way it's communicated, all those things, environmental factors, it's too hot, it's too cold, can distract you from receiving the word of God. I get that. All these things, the bridge between a human word and the God word. There's many things there. But we've got to make sure that we do our best, no matter who's preaching, to say, God, this is a human being talking, but what are you saying? What are you saying through this human being? And obviously what these guys brought was the gospel. Because it says in Acts chapter 17, he explained and he proved to them that the Messiah had to die and Jesus was the Messiah. So he was going to the Old Testament scriptures and wrestling through the scriptures with them. Proving that Jesus was the Messiah. You see, the word of God here was the gospel. At the center of the word of God is the gospel of Jesus, friends. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of the, the gospel of the kingdom. And it carries on to say, it's at work in you who believe. It's at work in you who believe. So when you receive it from a human being, you take it as the word of God, it begins to work in you who have faith. So you see, to receive it, you've got to have faith. You, you, got, that's why faith is such an important aspect to everything that we do. And then when you receive it with faith, it begins to work in you. Begins to work in you. It gives you joy in the midst of persecution and suffering. Begins to work in you. It's a working, it's the working word of God. I'm going to talk about the working word of God and the fighting word of God. So the working word of God begins to work in you. If he, he, if the classic text for this is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. 
You see, when, the word, when God speaks to us, when it's the God word, when the word of God is speaking to us, when you're reading the scriptures, and the, you, you know the difference between this book, this is Bob Buf- Buford's book, Half Time. Bullies read this book. Halfway through your life, you're asking questions. Lord, where are you? And Bob Buford tries to help you. You've still got some time. To, you've still got something to do. Like That's what he's trying to say. But you know the difference between these two books? Bob Buford writes this book. He publishes it. I'm never going to meet Bob Buford. I'm never going to know Bob Buford, and I can never ask Bob Buford questions. The author of this book walks with me every day. You see, the author of this book, he wants me to ask him questions. He wants me to be with him and say, Lord, I do not get that. Help me. You see, the author of this book, he, he, he doesn't just give it to you and say, well, do something with it. He works in you. He works in you. And he says he's, he's alive and active. He's not just alive and passive. He's alive and active. The Word of God is alive and active, friends. Get it into you. Let it work in you. Friends, can I just remind you, there's no silver bullet in the Christian life. The silver bullet is Jesus. But once you've got Jesus, we're always looking for a silver bullet. We're always looking for a prophetic word. We go onto Facebook, we look for prophetic words. You know why we do that? Because it's easier to do that than to go into the word of God and wrestle with it. We need to stop reading these books. We need to be reading this book where we can be with the author more than we're reading these books where we're just getting ideas. These books are discovering that this book is clever. More and more. But it's more than alive and active. It's double-edged. It penetrates, dividing soul and spirit. Soul and spirit. It gets between your God life and your human life, and works it. It isn't a God life and a human life. It's so close together. But the Word of God gets in there and puts that together, like joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes. It gets so deep, it gets into your psyche, it gets into your thinking, it gets into the attitudes of your heart. And it begins to work. It begins to encourage, it begins to convict, it begins to rebuke, it begins to do all these things. That's what the Word of God does. I remind you today. That's the working word. But what about the fighting word? We want to, we, often we've got to go to God with a fighting word. We've got, to, we've got to fight on. Jesus had that in the desert. Goes to the desert. The Spirit of God leads him into the desert. He faces the devil. devil comes to him and he says, since you're the Son of God and you're hungry now after 40 days, turn these rocks into bread. What does Jesus say? It is written. You see, Jesus comes with the Word of God and He fights with the Word of God. And He does that every time He gets tempted. That's the model for us. 
When you're hungry, and you've been hungry for 40 days a long time, you've been in trouble for a long time, you've been, whatever it is, for a long, it's like you, you're desperate. You fight with the Word of God, friends. I want to give you a simple acronym, a framework to help you fight with the Word of God. Okay, this is how I'm going to end today. I told you I had a trick. Okay, this is my acronym. I'm so glad it worked that out. Like, that is God. Because you're all going to remember that. And then I said, Lord, I don't want anything where there's double the same letters, because then you got confused as what, what does it mean. So they're all different letters, and it's a real word, or words, and everybody's trying to do that. Strip fat. So this is how it goes. S. When you're in trouble and you're on a fight, the first thing you do, friends, you surrender before God and admit this, I cannot win this. Only you, Jesus. I am too weak. The first thing you do, friends, you don't panic. You surrender. It's a place of humility and vulnerability. You get vulnerable with God. You get humble before. You just get humble and say, God, I can't do this on my own. How often do we try to fight a fight and that's not the first thing we do? The second thing we do is the T. Time in the Father's presence. This is so important. Before you do anything, before you do anything, you've got to calm down. I've learned some brain science, and I've realized this. When you're not at rest, you can't think. You're at your weakest when you're panicking. You're going to make bad decisions. That's just neurologically speaking. Now, what you're going to do is you're going to go to the author of this, you're going to surrender to him, and you're going to spend some time with him. You know when they crossed the Jordan? They got circumcised. Not a good thing to do as you're trying to conquer a land. You're thinking, how does that work? Same thing here. Lord, I've got a battle to fight. Get on your knees and spend time with your father. Next letter, R. Rest in the new covenant gospel reality. These two things, those two things are quite, but you need to get this, friends. Because when you're under pressure, you think God's against you. You think people are against you. You surrender, you take time in his presence, and you remind yourself that you're in a new covenant relationship with Jesus. That if he is for you, who can be against you? That he died for you, and any sin, past, present, and future, 
is cleansed, is done away with. So there's no hindrance. You can boldly come before the throne of grace. You remind yourself of all the gospel realities of the new covenant. Please hear me. The next thing you do is intercede. I, want to, I wanted to say pray, but it doesn't work for the acronym. Pray. You see, once you know you're in Christ, you're with the Father, and you're surrendered, you can say, God, I need help here, please. I'm asking you. I'm asking you, please help me. I need finances. I need health. I need whatever. I'm just Father... I need you. I need you. The next thing, and this is how we fight with the word of God, you get the promises of God or the specific word of God that you need for your moment. The prophetic word of God. You see, that's why it's so important, even church services. You, you might be in that fight. You've surrendered. You spend time with the Father, and you say, Lord, what is the word for me for this? What, what's the word? Somebody gets up a prophetic word, preach, boom, the word comes. Actually, that's the word that you stand on. It's something that you can stand on that can begin to work in you in this specific area. But you need the word of God. That's God speaking to you for this. It's something, when God said it, you can stand on it. You can rely on it. It will not return void. It will bear fruit. You can stand, and you can stand, and you can stand, and you can stand. You just need to be patient and have faith. The next thing is the F. Friends. Often we run to our friends in the beginning. What we've got to do is learn to run to God first. Go through the processes with God. Wrestle with God. Try and get the word. And then we come to our friends and we say, this is what I'm going through. Or maybe they know what you're going through. But this is what I feel in God. Please stand with me. Please stand with me. Friends, you wrestle with God. You fight with the word in community. You don't fight on your own. You fight on your own. You wrestle with God. You, you come in before the presence of the Father. They can't do that on your behalf. You do that. But then you come to your friends, to your mates, and get them to help you and to stand around you. Maybe they've got a text for you. Maybe they've got a prophetic word. Maybe they can help you. But you bring community into this, friends. The next thing that you do is the A. As you act. You see, if you've got faith and you're not acting, it's not faith. But you've got to act. And I like putting friends before act because sometimes people act dumb afterwards. What your friends can do is just say, hey, keep it here, dude. You're going off there. Ah, yeah. But you've got to act. You've got to, take a, you've got to take a step of faith. You've got to activate your faith. You've got to say, Lord, you've spoken. This is the word that I've got now. What I'm going to do if you're wrestling with a, you've got to take a step. Whatever that step might be for you, you've got to do something. And you've got to do it in faith, in reliance on that word of God. In prayer. And then the last thing you do 
while you're doing all of this, is you start to give thanks. You thank God for what he's doing. Thank God for who he is to you. You thank God for what you have in him. You thank God for the gospel. Thank God for that you couldn't get through this without you. And you thank God for an outcome. And when the outcome comes, you thank God more. You thank God. Strip that. Example, very quickly. You're under huge, huge pressure. You're afraid. You're anxious. You're anxiety. You are... You're overwhelmed. You think, how am I going to get through this? Actually, there's fear just running through. There's adrenaline running through your veins. You've got to go against that adrenaline and that panic. You've got to come and stand and, and you've got to get before God and surrender and say, God, I can't do this. The reason why you've got adrenaline is your body's telling you you've got to fight this. And you've got to say, God, I can't fight this. I'm too small. You big. Let it come down. Get, spend time in his presence. Say, God, please, worship. Do whatever it means, whatever you do to spend time in his presence. Rest in the gospel reality. Um, I know that it feels like everything's against me, but one thing I do know, God is not against me. He will never leave me and he'll never forsake me, the Bible says. I have, God is with me. Begin to intercede. God, give me courage. God, give me courage to face this moment. Lord, show me a way. I'm tempted to just run away from you. I'm so anxious. I actually, in fact, I've even said, if you don't come through God, I'm done with you. Give me courage, Lord, to act well. Please, Lord, help me through. Get hold of a promise of God. If you're in that situation this morning, think of this, Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you I will uphold you with my righteous right hand, Isaiah 41.10. You take Isaiah 41.10 and you recite it and you say, Lord, you've said this, Lord, I'm taking this. Because all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. What about Psalm 16 verse 8? I keep the Lord in my mind always because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. It's mine, Lord. I'm standing on that word, Lord. I go to my friends and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm vulnerable with them. I'm saying, I'm, I'm wrestling. Please help me. These are the texts that I'm praying. These are the texts that I'm standing on. Maybe they've got some more. Maybe they've got some more encouragements. Maybe they can just pray for you. And you take a step. Maybe that step is just a simple thing of, of not going into panic or Stepping into going and having fun somewhere, or because I'm not going to worry about this. And then you begin to thank God for all that He's got for you. Strip that. You see, friends, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than a double edged sword, penetrating soul and spirit, discerning our thoughts and attitudes of our heart. It's working in us. And sometimes we've got to fight with it. And what we learn from these Thessalonians is they received it as a word from human beings, but they took it as the word of God. I pray that we'd be a people that know how to receive words from human beings, but know when they are 
God words and take them as God words and appropriate them as God words and let them sink in as God words so that they can bear the fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. 30, 60, 100 fold. Let the word of God work in you. Don't negate the word of God. Read the word of God. Get it in you. The author is with you every moment of every day. Bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.